Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Adam, and I am your host of the Do Big Things podcast. I'm recording this on Easter Sunday, April 12th, and I've got a great guest for you today. His name is Ryan the Punisher Dexter. For a guy with a name like the Punisher, he's the most laid-back and easygoing guy around. I've known him for, gosh, six or eight years now. And we've helped each other with our own respective ultramarathons, and we get into all that. Uh, More than likely, he was probably running ultras and 100 milers and even 200 milers before most of us really even knew what ultramarathons were. He's a total beast, and I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. What's your story? What's your big things? I want to hear about it. Hit me up. Uh, My website is big-things-crewing.com. And if it's a good story, you just might end up on the show. So I'm hoping this finds you guys all safe and cozy, quarantined away somewhere with your loved ones. Are you still getting after it? Are you still doing the things you should be doing? Are you working on yourself? Sitting still once in a while, getting your mind right, still getting outside. This is a great opportunity to get to know yourself. Listen, I'm not trying to make light of what's going on here. Bad things are happening. But hey, if you're still healthy, now's the time. Get after it. Set yourself some goals. Begin manifesting them. Rewrite your story. At some point or another, we all have to learn to control our minds that seem to go all over the place with worry and just nonsense, utter nonsense. Be with your friends. Really be with them. Try painting a picture. Write a poem or a story. Even if it sucks, it's still art. It's still you. Use this lockdown to learn. Learn about the power of your own mind, how unlimited it really is. Spread the love, man. Life is short. Do big things. Can you hear me, buddy? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Punisher Dexter. Adam. How are you, my friend? I'm doing all right. It's a very Good. weird time, isn't it? <laughs> totally, totally a weird time. It feels like a, a zombie apocalypse out there. Really does. It makes me wonder if it's uh, there's more to it. There's got to be more to it than what they're telling us. Yeah. What do you think? I'm I'm big into conspiracies. I'd love to hear your, what you're thinking. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I 
part of me thinks it's man-made and you know Ch- china just sent it at us because you're thinking about all the like the you know all the trade stuff we were having all the disagreements we were having it just seems like that makes sense yeah that's a big rumor right now um yeah and uh there's rumors that uh bill gates owns um the patent to the coronavirus so that you know if if um we need to come up with some sort of a vaccine um you know there's money to be made there you know if you're making umbrellas you got to make it rain (laughs) so i know man there's a lot of weird theories out there um who knows man who knows yeah you doing well though you safe Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm in Boulder. Boulder is actually pretty low um, for uh, cases. There's a lot in Colorado, but um, I'm still working, though. My work is is deemed essential. But yeah, I'm good, man. How about you and the family? I'm pretty good. Yeah, Yeah. everyone's good. I mean, my, my, my wife's work sculpted to a halt because she's a personal trainer, but it's all good and you're working from home i'm guessing yeah i've been working from home since i moved down to florida here so it's been six years of training for this yeah right (laughs) (laughs) and the social distancing is like no problem for me my i mean nothing has changed whatsoever you know i run by myself i bike by myself for the most part um yeah so not a whole lot's changed for me and yeah things are good man Good. Are you married yeah. now? What's the deal? No, no. Um, living with my girl. Um, yeah, things are great. And um, just trying to get this business off the ground. Um, and, uh, you know, that's sort of falling apart with this whole pandemic that's going on. I mean, there's no ultra marathons happening, at least not for the next few months. And nobody yeah. to guide any of the local Boulder Peaks. So um, that's all right. Just kind of put things on hold and I decided to start this podcast as kind of a little cliff note to the business. And, um, you know, I don't know where any of it's going. I, I don't know if anybody will listen to this or <laughs> it's, it's all up in the air, just like everybody in everybody's business and everybody's jobs right now. It's just kind of all up in the air. So how well received has this podcast been for the most part, though? It's been okay. I mean, you know, it, it's small. It's small time for sure, but I'm definitely getting some listeners. I mean, I've only got eight or nine podcasts out so far, so it's still pretty new and just trying to get the word out. So, you know, if, if this turns out cool, any way you can spread it um, would be amazing. But, you know, well, it'll definitely get a few ears. Um, I've been labeling it as a, as a running podcast for the most part, but, I, you know, I'm calling it Do Big Things. And so I've been interviewing you know, anybody that's willing to do some sort of big thing in their life, whether it's running or, you know, making some big personal decision or, you know, walking around the block. If that's a big thing for them, I, I want to hear their stories. So, yeah. It's yeah, awesome, man. man. Yeah. So we'll see. It's like podcasts are the new blog. You know, it's like everyone's starting to get their own podcast now. And, you know, this is just off of a free app that I'm just doing on my phone and, you know, so the sound quality is not great or anything, but you know, it's all new. I'm just playing around, having fun. And it's just a good way for me to communicate with friends I haven't talked to in a long time. And I always enjoy um, blowing people up and letting people 
that have cool stories, uh, you know, get those stories out there. So I've just been having fun with it. All right. Let's tell a story, I guess, huh? Yes, yes. We want to hear all about the Punisher and, and how things started, man. Um, I know, uh, you know, I've talked to you about a lot of this stuff before, but um, uh, so, yeah, Ryan, the Punisher Dexter is, he was the 200-mile the man before 200-milers were cool, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forever. So, <laughs> Um, and I know I've paced you and you paced me to, you, you paced me into one of my fastest hundred milers and, and you showed me depths that I didn't know, uh, were possible. I, I really had to dig deep that day. And, um, so yeah, man, I feel like we've seen each other at, at our best and, and at our worst as well. So <laughs> yeah, man, how did it all start for you? Well, give you some background. I mean, I, well, where I am today is, I guess I'll get to that later, but I, I'm, I guess okay. I, I consider myself one of the, uh, I don't know, a grandfather, because I don't feel that old, but I've been out of the <laughs> scene for a long time. My, my last ultra was four years ago. Um, but you're still running and pacing, though, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I paced a friend at the Keys 100 last year, and I was supposed to do, uh, you know, pace a friend at the... Um, the race in North Carolina there at Umstead. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Obviously that just got canceled. Got canceled. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm still kind of in it just because some of the old timers are still running, you know, but I kind of lost, I kind of lost the, uh, I don't know, the, the vibe, the, the desire, I guess. Yeah. You know, I've run 82 mm-hmm. marathons or ultra marathons. Most of those are ultra marathons, but I haven't done any racing in, over four years yeah i mean you know i don't know that that that, you know you have to do that sort of thing forever in order to stay relevant i mean part of the evolution is eventually just to kind of move on i mean i think that we were drawn to ultra marathons for a reason at a and at a certain time in our life and uh, a lot of times we evolve past that and I, i don't think there's anything wrong with that but but like I said, man, I know you were doing 200s way before, you know, that was a common thing. Now it's a, it's a little bit more common and you were out crushing and, and winning those races back in the day. Yeah. So my, my story is in, in college, I, I boxed at Penn state and I know you were a, a, a fighter as well. And I, I felt like we connected at, at that level, but I, I, you know, I, I enjoyed athletics, but as far as running goes, that was always just something you did to, to get in shape for other things that were more fun. Like running was yes. never fun for me. It was just something you did <laughs> to, to, to get in shape. Really. It wasn't something that I'm, I enjoy it. Um, it really wasn't until, well, you know, growing up, you hear about marathons and like, Oh, the neighbor ran a marathon. And you think that is just incredible. Yeah. And it's not until you, and this goes with anything in life. It's not until you let that seed, that thought um, grow in your mind that you actually believe that maybe it's, it's really just a may, I call it the maybe seed. It's just a maybe I can do that. And once you allow your mind to, to go to the maybe place, well, then mm-hmm. anything's a possibility. And, and mm-hmm. if a neighbor or something, I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And the office made that really cool, but it's not a very cool place. Um, but I grew up there and, and 
there was a, the Steamtown Marathon, which I'm assuming still takes place. Um, and I was in college and I was home for the summer and there's like a three mile loop around Lake Scranton there. And I thought, well, I, I just went there to run and it did the marathon really hadn't that maybe seed hadn't been planted yet, but I thought I'll just go run this three miles um, after work one day. And to me, three miles was a big deal. And, and I think probably, I don't know if you're, listeners three miles is a big deal but for the majority of america three miles is a big deal and that that's where i was at that point yeah. in my life and that was uh what, what year am i talking about here probably 1997 ish okay. um so i ran and, and and ran the three miles i had to walk some but i ran it and when i got done it's like wow what an accomplishment i feel really good and i think <laughs> all of us are searching for that feel good moments especially in the the way the world is right now it's like well what what makes me feel good um exercise makes people feel good and and when i got done with those 3 miles it was like wow i felt like i accomplished something it it just felt good and i thought well if 3 miles feels good well you know maybe i can do this twice and i just mm-hmm. you know and I, the next day i went there and did a little bit more and then I thought by maybe by the end of summer, I'd be able to do it twice, but you know, within the week I had done it twice. And then it's like, well, maybe I can do. So once you, and once you hit that double digits, once I got to that 10, that's always like mentally 10 miles to me is like, if I can get into the double digits, well then things start opening up. Those maybe seeds start getting planted. And it wasn't until I hit that 10 miles that I thought, well, maybe, maybe I could do a marathon like that. That thought entered my mind. And I know there was a marathon in September. That's the Steamtown Marathon. Or maybe it was October. I can't remember. Um, but this was like July. And that was coming up in October. So I, I just kept adding a little bit more and a little bit more. And before I knew it, I was, you know, marathon ready. Nice. And then I was running marathons for about, I don't know, I ran maybe eight or nine. And then wow. maybe 2002-ish. Uh, there was a 50 miler in Chicago and I, I went and did that. And, and I thought, wow, if I could do 50 miles, well, maybe I could do a hundred. And someone had talked about the Western States and I had never even heard of Western States, but at the time it was not as difficult to get in. I mean, I'm going back quite a ways and I'm looking at your ultra sign up right now. It looks like 2004 was West. There you States. go. Yep. 2004. So that was my first hundred miler. I had done maybe three fifty milers leading up to that. And I didn't know, you know, boo about training. Um, it was really just, well, if I could do, if I could do a, mar- well, you know, I never did more than a marathon before I did a 50 miler. So I could probably do a hundred miler. If I could do 50 miles, that's kind of my mentality. And again, if you think, you can do stuff you typically can it's just the recovery is harder and the race itself is probably going to end up being harder um mm-hmm. it's it's the people that compete at a really high level is because they put the training and they put the work in they, they you know they put the miles in um but at th- that time in my running career it was just uh you know i was just a finisher and and i had done you know sub sub 10 hour marathon or 50 milers, you know, nine hour marathon, nine hour, 50 milers. So I, you know, I thought, well, you know, 24 hours, I could do that. I could get that silver buckle, you know, double that time and just add a few hours for sure. I barely finished that race. I mean, I was one of the last, you get 30 hours. I was like 29, 40, something like that, like barely. 
and my wife was pregnant for my second son at the time and uh you know you but you get in and you you apply for it you get in and you know my, my son was due in july and that's my star wars clock going off so i don't know if you hear that <laughs> nice uh, that was a star wars pinball machine i i, I have one of those <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's my new obsession is pinball, Adam. Yes, I know. I've seen some pictures, man. I heard you talking about it a couple of times. Uh, so, so then I finished that and, and I had to immediately get on the plane because I got like the whatever quickest flight I could get out on Sunday to get back home Sunday night as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. So I ended up not even having time to, I think I showered. Yeah, I did shower but it was like a quick run to the airport to get out of there. Cause it took me so long to finish the race. Um, my, my wife maybe signed something like, you're never going to do this again. You know, this is your one time hundred miler. <laughs> and, and that's kind of where it sat. And then I went back to just doing, well, I guess it only lasted a year, but I went back to just doing marathons and I did maybe four marathons, you know, in, after that, but it just wasn't, you know, you got you get a taste of that distance you get a taste of that feeling because you know a marathon obviously and obviously the first time we did a marathon I, could, I couldn't get out of bed i had to like roll out of bed and you know do a sit-up to get out of bed like it was you know everything was sore but obviously the more you do something the, you know the, the the more it uh it gets easier i guess um gets, yeah. so you know when i got a taste of 100 miles i wanted it again because in my mind, it's like, well, I could do better than that. So it wasn't a question of, can I do a hundred miles? It became a question of, well, can I do it better? Mm-hmm. You, you, you know that and your listeners know that. And then becomes, it's, that's what's, that's, what's beautiful about running in general, whether it be a 5k or whatever, is that you're only competing with yourself. And in the end, mm-hmm. no one cares what you're And That's probably the biggest realization I've had over the last, you know, 20 years of this is that it, no one cares. Yeah. The truth is, I mean, people care, they want to hear about it, but no one cares about your times. It's more about experiences. Yeah. It's not about times, unless you're, you know, winning races, then obviously it's, it, it takes on a whole different meaning, but it, it, it's really experiences. So, but if it, if in your mind you think I can do better, well, then that's what's the driving force. And that's what became my driving force. Well, I think I can do better. And I think I can, you know, I, I, I got to be able to go under 24 hours. And that became my driving goal, you know, mm-hmm. and, and my wife said, okay, yeah, that's fine. And I ended up the following year doing, doing a hundred mile. And I got like under 24 hours. Um, and you would think that would be enough. And, and it was, and, and I did a marathon <laughs> and I did, you know, 50 mile or here or there and, but the 50 mile, I just didn't feel enough. And then, then I'm trying a, a, a track run, you know, I thought, well, you know, my wife's worried when I'm you know, running all night and maybe I'll do a 12 hour just on a high school track. You know, these races exist where you just, you know, run for a set period of time. You can't get lost. And I thought, well, that, you know, that's pretty yep, safe. Yep. And, and, <laughs> and I ended up doing that and then did really well um, at, at a 12 hour race. And I think it was, 2006 or something like that and I, I i think i don't know i had almost 79 miles or something in 12 hours so that was kind of my breakthrough race yeah um, sure. and that was at the uh what was that at the, they called it the badgerland 
12 hours in Milwaukee. I don't know what they call it now, but, um, so that was kind of my breakthrough race. And you were able to, you were able to run around the track. And I mean, a lot of people that's like their own personal living hell. Did that really bother you? I mean, uh, I know like I can personally run around in circles. It doesn't bother me too much. I can run on a treadmill. It doesn't bother me too much for whatever reason that my mind is a little bit loony and, and that doesn't bother me. Um, was it torture for you? Or yeah, did you I okay? did okay. I actually liked it. And actually the, the races I do well at are the looped courses. So like the, the 200 mile races I've done, have all been 10 mile loops. Um, the, okay. the 150 mile races I've done have been similar loop loop courses. Um, I, I would say, you know, except Barkley, that sucks. <laughs> yes. oh, i don't even have any it sounds just horrible to me i don't have any you know, interest i so i i don't know if i was you know i'm jumping ahead but i ended up doing barkley in i don't know 2014 something like that and you know i went into it thinking yeah you know it's less than 200 miles i'll be able to do this and it was so humbling yep. you know i got lost i got i thought i was gonna die out there i ended up getting off course and really? did i tell you this story and i like blow in the whistle you gotta have a whistle like you're, i'm blowing it thinking someone's gonna come help me it starts raining it's dark <laughs> it's like pigs and wild boar everywhere and i'm freaking out man i thought i was gonna die and i thought well this is how i'm gonna die like out here this is it like so what did it come down to what did you think you were gonna die of like hypothetical? i was lost man completely lost Lost. And it's so yeah. dense in these woods. Well, you know the story of Barkley. It's like a guy, you know, that shot. I guess and, well, I don't think it's. I think it's the guy that killed Martin Luther King. Like, got sent away to this prison, and there's this dense woods in Tennessee around this prison. And the guy escaped, and you know, was out there for I think like a week, um, and ended up being like a half a mile away from the prison or something. It was like all curled up, like <laughs> crying because he thought he was like just completely lost and it, that's how i felt it was like wow I'm, I'm lost and the only thing i had you have a compass and i i knew that the road that we came in on was you know a certain direction and i could see lights on a mountain and i thought the problem is you're okay. going up and down up and down these mountains um and i just thought well if i just keep going in this direction and i just kept looking at my compass every you know, 20 minutes or something like that. But just going in this direction, this road has mm -hmm. to be, you know, six miles from here. And if I can get there and I just kept heading and I ended up in, I ended up on like the main road and then ran it back to the park, which was like another 10 miles or something. Um, but there's a bunch of houses there. And at that point it was like nine o'clock at night or something. So it was just dark, but I don't know. I mean, this is like backwoods, Tennessee, and I didn't feel very comfortable knocking on someone's door asking, hey, can I use your phone? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So how uh, long were you out there? I, Adam, I, I didn't even finish a lap. Um, I was out there. <laughs> it was about midnight when I got back in and we started at 9 a.m. So that's how long. And, it, and technically, I only went 14 miles, I guess. <laughs> no way oh my God. but it was so horrible. belittling that um i don't know it just made me question everything i had done and at that point i had done like i don't know four 200 milers and you know done pretty well and, you know 
Yeah. Yeah. You're feeling good about yourself. I was. I'm sure. So, and so that, I guess in, in, it just shows, I mean, so I went from doing well at this 12 hour, like that's kind of a breakthrough race to, you know, seven years later thinking I'm going to die in a race and probably one of the low points in, in my, uh, ultra running career, but, um, you know, it's, yeah. that, but that's life. Life's full of ups and downs. And it's what you, it's, and again, I kind of go back to this. It's not what you, your times or everything you've accomplished. It's just, how do you feel at the end of the day? Do you feel good? Do you feel like you did stuff? And, yeah. and, and, you know, all this racing and just, it, I think it just makes you a better person all around. Like it just makes you love life more. And, you know, I get to meet cool people like yourself and, and the race directors and, and just, it's a cool bond ultra running. And I don't, and you kind of get in a marathon too. I've done some pacing and done, you know, that, that's kind of like the, the later years here. I've been pacing marathons and doing like a four hour pace group. And, and I like that. And it gets me kind of, you know, talking mm-hmm. to people and, and kind of learning their stories and their adventures. And it's cool. Um, I guess the main thing is, again, yeah, the, the, sure. let that maybe seed get planted in your mind. And there's so many people doing this stuff. Like you said, the 200 milers, you know, they have like a 200 mile crown race where they run four or five different 200 milers over a summer. So it is more widely accepted or it's more of a wide use you know, race distance now than, than what it was. I, you know, the first 200 I did was, uh, I think it was 2010. Okay. Yeah, that looks right. Um, so the the so before the two hundred, I had done one hundred fifty um, in in Pekin, Illinois. It used to be called McNaughton Park, okay, McNaughton. and now it's called. Um, yep. That's it. Yeah. Um So two thousand seven was the first time I did the one hundred fifty miler there, and and the reason I did that, and you say, well, I, you jumped. So basically, I did Western states. And then I did the hundred miler down in McNaughton after, again, my wife made me sign something a year later, I did that. And then it was like, well, I, okay, I did under 24 hours, <laughs> but I still think I can, I still think I can go further. And my next race after that was going back to McNaughton the following year and, and, and doing a 150 miler. And the, Andy Weinberg's the race was the race director there. And I, I said to him, Hey, I felt pretty good after the hundred miler. Why don't we, it's a loop course and you have a lot of time. Why don't we, you know, let us run further. So that was the first 150 miler. And, and then, wow. So you were feeling like you could go further rather than faster or you wanted to go further than faster. I I didn't think that I could go any faster. The funny thing is though, training for ultras or doing longer distance made my marathon times get faster. So although I wasn't doing speed okay. work, I think just mentally, because it's all mental, everything's mental, yeah. and just mentally knowing yeah. that I could go further, I think made it easier to go faster for a shorter period of time. Okay. And and it wasn't until I really started pounding the pavement and putting in lots of miles. I mean, I was, uh, you know, training for the my first 200 miler, I was running a marathon every day, but I would break it up couple times wow. a day sometimes three times a day but you know i was running mm-hmm. you know 26 miles every day there was a couple years straight where i was averaging 10 miles a day for the year now at the time nobody else was really doing that right i mean it's not like you could get online 
and find uh, 200 mile training plans. So, I mean, how, how did you figure out in your head that you had to run, you know, two, three times a day, 25, 26 Yeah. And I lived in Wisconsin at the time and it was super cold. So knowing like I was going out there in the snow and just nonsense and freezing weather, it's just Adam, when I towed the line in my mind, I had to think, and again, think that I was the best trained. I might not be the Mm -hmm. best athlete, certainly mm-hmm. not the fastest but i was the best trained and i and in my mind i felt mm-hmm. like the further we went and the sloppier the course might get and the you know the crappier the weather the better i'm going to perform awesome you were ready for it no matter well, what they threw at you. i think the crappier that the course became was to my advantage because i'm not as fast as other people you know and, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's kind of the turtle in the hair game. And, and the only way for that to play <laughs> out for the turtle is to go far. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. So you were there for the, for McNaughton's first 150 miler. And in a sense, it was kind of your idea to get yeah, that thing sparked yeah. up. So, so wow. I, you know, wow. I towed the line thinking I'm going to do well. I got third place. Uh, the following year went back, got second place. The following year, went back, got first place. Um, so it, wow. it so that it became, became an obsession. obsession. Yeah, and in the end, I've done over a thousand miles at the McNaughton Park races over the years. I remember when you got that thousand yeah. mile buckle. That's insane, man. And that was uh, a year, the That's year right. I helped pace you when you did. That was when they brought miler, the right? two hundred miler there to 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 Pekin. Yeah, and that wasn't that long ago. Um, because I was living in Florida then. That was probably so the last one of the last ultras I've done, man. Honestly. Okay. How, do you know how many people have that thousand mile buckle out there? I don't think many. I think four many. or five. Yeah. Wow. So you know that 10 mile loop better I than do. probably uh, anybody. Yeah. You know, Paul Stofko and um, we raced again and david goggins those first few years of the 150 miler that was kind of the three of us going at it and fighting each other and paul won the first year david won the second year and 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 i won the third um but yeah i love hearing all your david goggins stories man they always get me fired up (laughs) he's a cool cat man he's he's doing well with himself kind of you know doing the public speaking and you know people want to hear the stories because people want to relate. And like I said, it, of course. for me, I guess anything, the one thing I would sh- try and push to your listeners is to just believe that you can do something. And that mind is, will, will allow you to do some amazing things. I'll take a side journey. Um, when I moved down here to, well, I, I moved to Florida six years ago. I'm, I'm a structural engineer. I, I, I work on my computer. Um, pretty much all day long. I, I don't have an active job, but I do try and work out in the mornings before work. And, and I still run in the mornings. Um, but I had, this just, again, is that man, mentality of, I, you know, that maybe seed and I can do things. And uh, I had a buddy that, um, well, when I moved down here, I keep in track, I keep in touch with some high school friends. And there's my, my one friend, I, I told him when I moved down here, oh man, it's awesome. It's great schools and you'll love it. You should come down. He was living in D.C. at the time. So I kind of planted the seed for him, the, the possibility of moving down. Um, I was driving back from Chicago Memorial Day, and this was probably three years ago. 
um, and the phone rings. So this is the end of May. The phone rings and um, it's my friend. And he's like, hey, I'm, we're, I'm sick of D.C. I'm sick of the traffic. I want to move. We want to check out the area. Um, you know, I've got a home that, that I need to sell. But this is what I'm looking for. And he was looking for 5,000 square foot home and you know, such and such. And I started running. He's like, hey, do you, you know, you know, you know, a realtor, we're going to come down 4th of July weekend. Um, my parents had just moved, I don't know, maybe a year earlier. And I did a lot of the legwork for them. And I'm not downplaying what realtors do or anything. It's, it's, a, it's a great profession. And there's a lot of professionals at it. Um, but I had done a lot of the research mm-hmm. and kind of you know, found the things. And, and, and I enjoyed doing that kind of thing. But I kind of told a white lie to my friend is like, well, you know, I started doing the doing the stuff and you got to take, you know, you got to take a class, you got to pass a state exam, you got to do fingerprinting and all this stuff, background checks. Well, so this is the end of May. I tell him, oh, well, I'm I'm got started on this. I didn't even think it was possible. But the minute I got home, I did the fingerprinting, did everything. I was a licensed you know, realtor within two weeks in, in Florida. I did all the coursework. I did all the tests, did everything. So within two weeks, licensed, got with a broker, bam, ready to go. I sold him, and it's still to this day the highest sale here in in, in this area. One point five million. No kidding. And it was a case, and I think it's because, and I'm not saying it to brag or anything. It's just if you believe you can do something, ultra running that kind of stuff just allows you to do some amazing things in life. And, and when life throws shit at you, um, you're more apt to be able to deal with it. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because you've been there, you've been to those little places, you know how to suffer and you know how to just put your head down. And you also know that things are going to get just better. Keep moving, keep moving forward. And, and in life, anything is going to get better. If you keep trying, you don't give up you know never give up just keep moving one foot in front of the other you're eventually going to end it's going to end it's going to get better but until you believe that it's it's so, not yeah yeah that's it's that's so much of it right there i mean um yeah i get it man i mean um you're not going to be able to do it unless you can see it you know you have to visualize it you have to picture yourself coming into the finish line you have to picture how it's going to feel, how it's going to taste, how it's going to smell when you get to that finish line. And if you can't see it and you can't picture it that way, it's, yeah, because there's not so many happen. times where it's going to be shitty and horrible, and you're just not going to follow through because you you never believed that you could to begin with. It's one thing to believe it and then step on the you mm-hmm. know I towed the line, I started this race. You know a lot of people that do this, but their heart's not in it. Their mind truly mm-hmm. never really thought they could do it, but they're just going through the motions, right? Yeah. Yeah. They want to be an ultra runner and, you know, to their friends or on social media or something, but you know, they're not really ready to to go to that place. Some dark places, man. You know that, but the more you do it, the less dark it gets. You know, the first time I did the 200 miler in in Vermont, um, you know, my mind had never been to those places and I didn't know that I could truly do it. I mean, I thought I could, but I hadn't done it before. And but my mind went to some weird places. Um, and I always, as you know, I always go with a great crew. And, you know, you've been part of the crews that I've had. And I feel like I got like an army that are supporting me. So every time that that that, that you know, that we won, 
it was we won. It wasn't I won. It was we won. And the experiences that we all shared were 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 great. And I mm-hmm. and I hope they were life changing for everyone that was a part of what we were doing. Um, yeah, I think they were, and I I feel like they were. Like I feel like your pacers and your crew like have your back a hundred percent. In fact, I don't know that I've ever really seen a team like that uh, come together for a runner. And it's like, Oh, you're doing a race that, uh, you know, next year on this date. And then they just fly from wherever they're from. And it's, it's pretty amazing to see, man, like your buddies Dima and some of the other guys that come out and pace and crew you. It's yeah. It's Dima is a, is a great guy. And, and to see me, it's really, really low spots in, in my life and and has always seen me through and pushed me through and, and in the end it's always like man i'm so glad i didn't give up because man i would hate myself if i had quit yeah 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 for sure man well i mean i've seen you at some pretty low points where you know I, you know i didn't really have doubt in you but you know I, you know and i'm not i don't want to uh, yeah, what, what's the word? I don't want to talk smack about you or anything, but I've seen you sitting down on the trail looking <laughs> yeah. like a little boy. <laughs> you got that look on your face. Like, I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this anymore. And it's like, and then your crew comes, you know, there and, and you know, they, they encourage you and you might whine to them a little bit, but then you get back up and you keep on moving. And it's, uh, it's spectacular, man. It's, it's really inspiring. Well, and honestly, that. Adam, that's what happened about four years ago. I was running this marathon down here in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was, it's, um, I just wasn't having fun. And it was like mile 20. I ended up walking like, you know, four miles at the end. I was just like, this is not fun. I'm not having fun. Why am I doing this? This yeah. isn't fun. And I just stopped. I finished that race, but I, I haven't yeah. run another one since. And I'm starting to get the urge to get back at it. And and I know that that's the cool thing about mm-hmm. this is that if you're smart about it and you keep running, I mean, you can always get back into it because you've got the mentality to, to, to do it. And there's nothing going to hold you back. You know, right now, you know, I've got three boys and they're busy and I, you know, but I can make excuses. If I wanted to do this, I would. It's just I. I don't want to right now, yeah. but I think I'm starting to want to again. Yeah, I get it. And I, like I said before, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you know, we were attracted to ultra marathons because we needed some sort of, I don't know, validation or we needed uh, some sort of self-fulfillment or we needed, um, I don't know what it was. We needed to face the pain so that we were able to face life in, in a different way. And, you know, it was, it was a vehicle to get us there and it's not, you don't have to stay on that road forever, but once you've run a hundred or 200 miles in your life, even if it was years ago, if you were to jump into a marathon tomorrow, 26.2 miles yeah. seems like no big deal. It's like, you can kind of yeah. do that. It'd be couch. ugly, but you could do it for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just mentally, you know, you know, you've done it a million times. So it's just yeah, not I'm that big so of a close deal. to that, you know, hundred marathons or ultra marathons i mean i can't stop now wow that's unreal yeah so tell oh, me yeah, about yeah, the yeah, off track there I so mean, so the first 200 miler i did um was probably about mile 140 ish and dima one of you know my main crew guy was with me and i, I remember it was like this the problem with these you know the problem is when you go beyond 100 
you're dealing with multiple nights. And that first night's not bad. Yeah. Um, but that second night is, is brutal, man. Especially when you haven't experienced that before. Um, so that, that second mm-hmm. night, I, you know, my mind had never been to this place. And I actually think, Adam, and I've, I've shared this story with you before. I, I, I felt like, because my mind had never experienced this, I think it thought I was dying. And I was seeing visions along the side of the trail of car of a car wreck. And it, it was so real. I saw the car. I saw a body laying there. I saw the windshield smashed out. And I saw that the body was me. And, and it was so real. But I wow. knew that it wasn't real. But I was seeing it as clear as day. And I think it's because my mind thought I, I was in so much pain that my mind thought I was dying. And then the, 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 and I swear that's what was going on, but I knew it wasn't real, but my wow. mind thought it was real. And yeah. so that's some really dark places when you're feeling with that kind of pain that I think you're, you, that my, you know, your mind actually thinks you're dying. But the second, the second year I went back and did mm-hmm. the 200 miler, I never saw the visions. I never had any issues like that. I'm not saying I was pain free because I still was in a lot of pain, but it was, my mind had been oh, yeah. there. It knew that I wasn't dying. It knew that it could recover. It knew that it was just a period in time. And and I think that's that's the case with all of us. And as we have some people that are doing some amazing stuff and you're able to, you know, obviously with social media and everything, you're able to read about these people. It's like, well, they're, they're no different than me. I mean, we're all created the same mm-hmm. image. You know, there's some people may have some a little bit better God-given strengths and or you know a little bit better athletic but if they can do it there's no reason i can't do it if if if, if you know it's Absolutely. like anything man if you want to be a doctor and there's people that obviously they're doctors there's no reason you can't be a doctor there's no reason we can't be whatever we put our mind to i'm a firm believer in that yeah <clears throat> yeah i know it's like um i was talking with um sherpa john last night on the phone and uh, he was saying, you know, when you're a kid and your parents tell you you can be anything you want to be and you hear it and you sort of believe it as a kid. But after you've run a really long distance and you're not really an athletically gifted person, but you, you know, overcame whatever obstacles you had to overcome. You went through the training, you went to the start line, you faced all your demons. Then you realize, like, I I can do whatever I want to do. And it's not me that's special because I crossed the finish line. Yeah. Everybody has this. That's the thing that I know. After I ran a hundred miles, I was like, I'm not special. I'm not gifted. I'm not a super athletic guy. And I did this thing because I trained for it. It's like anybody can yep. do this if they want to. Yeah. Well, crazy, man. So how many 200 milers have you done uh, at this point? Four. I know you've done a bunch. Four. and uh a couple of them were in vermont uh, three, three were in vermont. vermont one was in illinois yeah one was at illinois yeah wow that's crazy man i know you've uh you've really been through it and your wife is a triathlete yeah. so um did you did you somehow inspire her to get into iron man's or uh no, how did that all was, play out well she was she was doing, I met her running down in Naples, Florida. I'd finished grad school and moved to Naples and met her in a running group down there. Um, she's a rich, yeah, that's right. She's originally from down there. And that's yeah, she's originally from Illinois. Actually, right? 
she had family. But she there. but she moved to um, oh, okay. Moved to south Southwest Florida when she finished school and and the same I did the same thing. But she had done it about four years earlier than than me. But her she had a sister in Madison. That's what brought us back up there. I had never been to the Midwest before I got married and, and moved up there. But we had always loved Florida. So that's what eventually brought us back to to Florida where we're at now. But um, she was a triathlete and had done numerous triathlons, but never an Ironman. Um, I think her first Ironman okay. was in 2003, but she's done, I think she just did her 10th last year. It's crazy. Yeah. That's so pretty she's, inspiring to you. She's no, she's no slack. Yeah. So we named our three boys, Chase, Cruz, and Dash thinking, um, you know, they're active names and we'll see if it pans out They're They're, they don't, they, none of them love running right now, but they, uh, you know, they do it just to get yeah. in shape for other things. Kind of like how I was when I was their age. And that's how it all starts. It's funny. We have that kind of commonality. I mean, we both got into this because of, uh, you know, uh, fighting and combat sports. And that's sort of what, what started off yeah. running for, for both of us. That's cool. That's, that's really cool. And I see uh, at least one of your sons is playing football now. He looks <laughs> I got like two that are bigger than me. My, my, my 14-year-old is bigger than really? me now, too. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's, uh, crazy. It's, it's cool. But, yeah, I got one that's graduating this year, but so, they just I mean, announced graduation's canceled. So it's, it's, a, it's just a weird time, you know? Yeah, it is. So how are you getting through these times? I know you're a man of faith. Um, I mean, does that play into uh, your day-to-day life? And uh, how does that help? Yeah, I mean, well, like I said before, Uh, I mean, I'm a true believer that we're all created in the image of God and we all have God abilities. Um, And, and I think the only thing that holds us back is, is ourselves. And I, you know, I, I don't think, I, I, I live life thinking, well, there's never going to be more put on my plate than I can handle. And, and that brings me a lot of, um, yeah, strength and strength, just, I'm guessing stability, I guess. And just knowing that and I can handle it. I can handle it. And I think, you know, ultra running For sure. opens up that part of your mind that allows you to believe that you can handle anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also maybe, for that belief, yeah, like you said, you can man, use that. I mean, if you can't see it, the maybe seed, you can use that. What was that? <laughs> the baby seed. I like it. Maybe that's the title of the podcast. <laughs> I remember one time I, I was like at the start too. of the I think Milwaukee marathon or something one year. And, and you've probably seen, posts and but there was a, someone holding a sign and something like you know a day will come and you can no longer do this but today's not the day and that that stuck with me as far as mm. seeing that sign at the start of a race and it's like man it's a gift and i might not be able to do this all the time but if i can yeah. do it now I, I should do it and yeah i agree man that's totally it right there I mean, that kind of encompasses, you know, what I'm trying to do with this company, Big Things Crewing. That's why we named it um, Big Things Crewing. Do epic we want shit, people to right? do big things. <clears throat> yeah, right. And, you know, that could be a variety of different things for different people. 
But if you're healthy enough to do it, get out and do it, make the myths, make the stories, you know, have yeah. some stories for your grandkids. You know, I run with, I run with yeah, a group man. of guys now um, here, you know, we do seven miles together or so, and never really more than that. Um, but, you know, we've dabbled in some longer stuff, but, you know, they've, I've told them some stories, but they, you know, they, they probably have a hard time thinking I've done some of the things I've done in the past. <laughs> right. No, but I, I, mean, I think there's a possibility that they might at some point, but no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard to explain to, um, you know, your common everyday seven mile runner, um, you know, some of the stuff that you've been through while running a 200 mile race. I mean, it's just not relatable. And, uh, you know, people just in their mind, they think about driving 200 miles and that's what everyone's, Oh, I don't even like driving that far. And, you know, it's just tough to even picture what that's like and what it really looks like. And yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, the I inside feel bad I've been so out of it. I didn't realize they were doing this backyard ultra last weekend. That, that would have been cool to watch. No, online. You didn't hear about, about this? They're running this like four mile loop or. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Laz's race. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Well, like you said, you know, you can jump into it whenever you want to again, or, you know, if it's time to, if it's time to move on in life, it's time to move on. I mean, you've, you've made the myths. Um, I mean, when I first met you, I just remember hearing about this guy, you know, and your nickname was the Punisher. Right. And so I thought you were going to be this really intense dude. And I was like, Oh man. And uh, I think the first time I met you, I think that you had stopped running a race. You had kind of, you DNF'd a race, a race down at McNaughton and uh, Jason Pennycoff was down there uh, uh, chasing yeah. you and, yeah. and uh, <laughs> nervous about meeting you. I thought, Oh man, this rough guy named the Punisher, man, he's, he didn't finish his race. He's going to be super pissed. And you came walking up and you had this huge grin on your face and you shook my hand. And, and right away I got the sense, oh man, this guy <laughs> calls himself the Punisher, but he's uh, awesome. He's like the Punisher's <laughs> weak brother. Where did No, no. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm into comics and superheroes and stuff. And I've always been drawn to guys that don't have superpowers, you know, like Superman, you know. Spider-Man, they've got these superpowers, but the the Punisher is just the guy that is just tough, man. And he had nothing super about him. He's just driven. Um, and so that's that yeah. was kind of I thought, well, I, I can relate to that. I I can so that I, I took on that superhero persona for racing. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I remember you all wearing the Punisher T-shirt. And yeah, man, coming up with that Punisher T-shirt. Just yeah, that was before the Punisher logo was cool. Because remember that what was it, the Sniper movie where they? That, then it was like, oh wow, that's mainstream yep. now. <laughs> yes, doing two hundred milers and Punisher shirts before it was cool. Uh, I know, and now like. 200 milers well you know we kind of always thought that might be the case because it's like you know we're all driven to this stuff and it's like well marathon's not enough well 50 milers not enough well 100 milers not enough Mm -hmm. and people start pushing that limit 
well then that that just keeps moving the the ticker um but again you know it's it's that yeah second night's difficult and until you can it's hard to train for that it's one thing to put a lot of miles in and you know think you're ready but you can't you can't mentally prepare for what that's going to bring you um you know yeah because you can't physically go out and train for it i mean it's pretty difficult to go out on a two-day training run where you're going to have to face that second night you yeah just have to my only advice for the people actual training event. for this stuff and trying to simulate is to to, to okay I, I need to run 20 miles today don't do it all at once spread it out and and get your get your mind thinking you're yeah. got you're running all the time so do five miles now five miles in three hours five miles you're not going to want to put the shoes on again and go out there and do another five miles do it at like 10 o'clock at night do it at like two in the morning do it at weird times just get your mind trick your mind to thinking you're running all day when you really aren't i, I think there's a lot of value in that yeah that makes personally. sense yeah face that rugged weather you know get out running at all different times of day um and that's how you mentally prepare yeah, for this stuff you, you gotta be mentally strong and that's why you know people like goggins do well yeah. because yeah. Get, that dude's mentally strong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i mean tell me a couple goggins stories man i know you ran quite a bit with him down at McNaughton, and, and every <laughs> time i ran with you i'm like dude tell me some goggins story yeah because it always gets one cool goggins story is <laughs> he's so secretive man there was a race down in texas um it was a 24-hour race and i don't even know what it was called it was in dallas um yes no the great is that it? yeah that might be it yeah. No, it was like ultra centric. It was called. I don't know. Yeah, and it was. Um, I think it okay, was in okay. Grapevine, Texas, though. Yeah, yeah, and oh, and it was like a okay. mile loop or something. But anyways, after I met him at the hundred, the first hundred fifty mile race in two thousand seven, we kind of hit it off, and we would talk. I don't know, once a week or so, and I told him, "Hey, I'm gonna do this this you know twenty four hour race down in Texas and see what I can do." And he's like, oh, man, oh, that seems crazy. All right, whatever. So I, I, I went down and, and I show up because I was doing the 24-hour, but there was a 48-hour going on as well. I show up at the race site, and there's Goggins in the race, man. He had been doing the 48-hour, and he'd already been out there for like 20 hours or something. I think, what the hell? And it's like, so, so he's there, um, and he was doing really well. He had done over 100 miles at that point but he ended up like hurting his leg or something so i ended up more or less kind of walk running with him for a day because i had some stomach issues after about 40 miles or so um so i ended up just kind of teaming up with him and just just walking with him so i got to um talk a lot with him but he ended up doing 206 miles in in 48 hours that 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 day that two days that's just a funny Goggins story. Wow. I was like, man, like, why would you not tell me you're going to be at that race? It's weird. It's just a secretive dude, man. He just shows up under the radar. Yeah. Wow. It, it sounds exactly like him. And then you ran with him at uh, yeah, Beacon, so the second Illinois. Uh, too, right? We, we ended up running quite a bit together. Um, or no, that was the, the first one. And the second one, we ended up running together. And then he... 
he just kind of took off. He was on another level that day. He ends up – he got the course record. Um, well, didn't, I don't know if it was that time, but didn't you tell me a story about how he yeah, was sick yeah, of pneumonia yeah. so, and he was out so, there walking? So that was the first year of that. So we were together for probably 90 miles, and he drops. I thought he dropped. Okay. Um, so, you know, we got 60 more miles or 50 more miles to go. And Paul, at that point, Paul Stofko had more or less won the race. He had, he had already passed me, looped me on this 10 mile course. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to get second place. I'm just going to, I'm not going to kill myself here, but cause I, I'm not, I'm not going to catch Paul, but I'm going to do the best I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the last lap mm-hmm. about five miles left to go. Goggins comes out of nowhere behind me, just full out sprint. And he had a couple pacers with him and the pacers were having trouble keeping up with him. And he just flies by me. I thought, what the hell? And I actually, Adam, I tried to run to catch him. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to get beat right now. It's five miles to go. I couldn't catch him. He flew. My, my crew told me he ran up that hit. You know, there's a hill at the end of that lap, um, that loop. And, and he ran up that hill and finished. Yeah. I'm like, well, who? I can't even, can't even fathom it. So then the following year, he ended up winning it yeah. and got the course record somewhere around 33 hours. So then the following year, David didn't come, 2009. That's when I ended up winning, but I was going for the record is what I wanted. And uh, I got within an hour of, of David's mm-hmm. record. That was 34 hours or something. But uh, wow, that was when I was you know, at the peak of – I, guess, I want to say peak of mentally um, all in. I was all in, like every you know, I was driven to mm-hmm. this one race, this ten mile loop. I knew everything about it. I, I was obsessed. And go, going back to Barkley, that that the guys yeah, that do well at Barkley obsession, are obsessed man. with it. Yeah. Like Nicodemus Holland, like you know, okay, the, the year I did it, he ended up finishing. You know, that guy was obsessed with it. And he would be out there, you know, beforehand. Mm, yep. He just knew everything about it. Like, like the same way I knew everything about that 10 mile loop at Pekin. Okay. He knew everything. He knew where this bush was and where that thing yeah. is and this and that and take this angle and like obsessed. And, you know, it's whatever you want to do in life. Yeah. If you want to be obsessed with races, you can do that. I've done it. And it's just, but like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, yeah, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's what, what interests you? What are your hobbies? And, and I've, you know, I've got other hobbies now and I, I still like running and I'm a runner and eventually I'm going to get back into this, but you know, there's, there's a lot to life. There's a lot of cool things in life. Absolutely. Yeah, there is. Well, yeah, man, I know that when you uh, paced me at Kettle 100, man, it uh, inspired me. And, and like we were saying, you know, you kind of showed me that new gear that I didn't know I had. You know, at the time I had run a few hundred milers and I'd run a couple mountain races. And then I came back to Wisconsin hoping to do well at Kettle and kind of blew up and had a bad nutrition plan and was just puking my guts out for just forever. And then you came out to pace me and just kept pushing me and pushing me. And I remember at one point, I, like I could barely walk, I could barely talk. I'd been throwing up, hadn't been able to get any food or even any water down for just hours and hours. And uh, we were out on the trail. It was the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, <laughs> this is how I remember it, anyways. <laughs> I remember a little bit differently, but I just remember you stopping and turning around and looking at me and almost just yelling at me, saying, 
you know, what did you come back here for? You moved out to Colorado. You did all that running out there, and then you come back here for what? A 24-hour race? You're like, I want, I want a better race out of you than that. Like, oh, my God. Like, I'm going to let this guy down if I don't really push it. Well, I, I, yeah. like, all right. And, uh, dude, I just had so hard. And then, like, you know – I'm pushing it is like harder than I've ever gone before. We're still running. I can't keep any food or any water down. Been puking for hours. And then, you know, we, it's the middle of the night, of course. And, you know, we'll see a headlamp all of a sudden a half mile up. And then I, I see you all of a sudden perk up and you're like, Oh, we got to pass this guy. I'm like, no, Dexter. Like I can't. No, we got to pass this guy. (laughs) And I just knew like there was no other option. I have to buckle down. We'd pass this guy. And that kept on happening all the way up to the very last mile of the race. 99 miles in. All of a sudden, we look up. Uh-huh. There's a headlamp. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Because I know you're going to want to pass this person. So we haul ass, get up there, pass the person, make it into the finish line, <laughs> and then come to find out they were, I don't know, if it was 100K or something. They weren't even doing the 100 yeah. Just killed myself for nothing. But, dude, you inspired me and, and showed me that new gear that well, uh thanks for being you adam you, you you're you bringing me to some good 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 memories <laughs> dude we had some good times for sure i mean it was that was brutal out there and then i remember uh you were only supposed to pace me for for a certain portion but you pushed me so hard that by the time we got to the next aid station where my next pacer was supposed to take over they weren't there yet because they weren't expecting it so soon. And then I was like, oh, no. And then you go, well, I can pace you into the finish. And I'm just like, oh, man, I got to keep on going like this. No. I was hoping for, for my female pacer to come and take over. No. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. It's going to get ugly. <laughs> PR that oh, day. It was an honor, man. You, bud. I remember the photos at the end of it. And- for sure. <laughs> Me in a cot and a sleeping bag and <laughs> could barely even move. You know, thinking back to that, ID though, at the end of that thing. you know, we've lost a couple friends that were part of that crew over the years. And I, and in my mind, uh, I still know, yeah, alive yeah. and well. And that, that that's the memory I have of them is right there. Yeah. Me too, man. Me too. I mean, uh, yeah, it's crazy to think about, but yeah, I guess that's life. We got to enjoy life, man. We up working out. It really is. It really is, man. I mean, this is all we got. Let's do big uh, things, Adam. Yeah, man. So people remember. Dude. I, to this day, when I pace people, I use a lot of your secret tactics and I don't put them out online. I don't tell anybody about it. I wait till we're out there in the middle of the night and then I pull those bad boys out of my pocket and those runners may not like them, but let me tell you what, I'm going to get them into the finish line. <laughs> yeah. You know, the cool it's thing is about, we get to man. meet some great people out there, especially on loop courses and those kinds of things. Or You just get to see and meet different people and it's in and it's that's that way in life too we get to touch so many lives and we want to make sure we do it in the classiest of ways and 
and and because we don't know how our actions or what we've accomplished or how what we've done may touch someone else and and they may touch someone else. So, you know, if my time with you, Adam, has been good and and you've been able to bless other people, it's just an awesome, that's what life's about. Living life, enjoying things, doing some epic stuff, passing that on and, and just helping each other. It's so true. I mean, you don't know who you're inspiring. Someone could be watching you or I from a distance that we barely even know, but maybe we're inspiring them to, you know, maybe 10 years down the road, they start running and they think of you and they're like, man, that, that one guy, he'd go running by my house all the time. You know, it's funny. Uh, one of the guys that inspired me when I was a kid and doesn't even know it to this day, you know, he was just the guy that ran in my town and he was this skinny guy. I see him running all the time, you know, this guy running with the shirt off and, just you'd see him all over town and then we drive outside of town and there he is he's out there running on some country road and to this day i don't know what his name was but you know when i started running I, hmm. my mind always went back to that guy that's a cool story so you just never yeah. really know who, who you're inspiring there was a guy at my high school yeah. just a you know yeah. he's just a parent that would run at night while we were football practice and i remember you would just always run the track and similar thing it's like wow this guy's committed and I think just to see someone that's committed in anything mm-hmm. other, you know, especially when you're not getting paid for, it, it's like, wow, someone's committed to yeah. doing something and they're not being forced to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it people that volunteer and people you know? that, you know, I mean, that are, like there's everybody. some parents that are like coaches for like everything. I think, wow, you are committed. You have, that's a commitment. That's, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. inspiring cool man well as always great talking to you man and yeah man i, I gotta get out the, there uh, get Colorado to some miles sometime soon in the future you, man yes you i would do. enjoy that oh you have to man i know i don't know what the, the race season looks kind of weird this year so who knows what's going on with all that but uh For sure. yeah we have to get i love what you're works, doing man. adam keep it up inspire people cool brother well yeah like i said you were uh the impetus for a lot of it so um yeah i pull those secrets out of my back pocket whenever i have a chance to, to pay somebody in the finish and and always think of you man so yeah man thanks for the inspiration and uh stay, too, stay strong as to, ever and the, the mind over doing, body man. that's the key that's it man yeah that's yeah. it title you this gotta one plant that seed first maybe seed the maybe seed. god bless you right, it was great talk it down. i'm going to <laughs> hey god bless you brother what you guys think dexter is a beast i hope you guys dug that podcast and hopefully you guys were able to check out um, my last podcast with sherpa john as well Sherpa John is uh, a good guy. He's probably one of the more controversial race directors in ultramarathon out there. Um, He's got a good story, so I hope you're able to check that out. Uh, I just wanted to share one last thing with you guys. It's it's a quote by my man Kurt Vonnegut. He says, Go into the arts. 
I'm not kidding. The arts are not a way to make a living. They are a very human way of making life more bearable. Practicing an art, no matter how well or badly, is a way to make your soul grow, for heaven's sake. Sing in the shower. Dance to the radio. Tell stories. Write a poem to a friend, even a lousy poem. Do it as well as you possibly can. You will get an enormous reward. You will have created something. <laughs>